Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, hoping you all had a lovely weekend. The email address, corktoday at c103.ie. Uh, if you were out and about at the weekend, there was a real buzz, I think, about the, you could really get that sense that Christmas really is very, very close and people are out, you know, buying and getting Christmas presents uh, purchased. And as always, we're encouraging people to please shop as local as you can. I know you can't get everything local, but where you can please support local businesses, particularly the independent uh, stores. I think they're the ones that need your help more than uh, ever. And talking of Christmas and the Christmas shopping list and what's on Santa's uh, list, no surprise really to read. It's a piece of research from Amorak for the Irish Daily Mail that nearly two thirds of members of the public who were surveyed think smartphones should be banned from Santa's letters this uh, year. 63% of people thought the devices should not be given to young children. Now, it doesn't specify the age of the children, but I suppose if we're talking about uh, Santa letters, we're talking about, mm, I suppose, children 10 and uh, under. But I think the majority of parents, it'll come as no surprise, there, there are parents who feel they had no choice but to buy their child a smartphone because of the 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 pester power of children. Everybody else in the class has one. I'm the only one that doesn't have one. I'm the only one who's feeling uh, left out. And there are many parents who regret the fact that they bought smartphones, particularly if they bought a smartphone uh, too young. So here you have 63% of people saying it should simply not be on a list for uh, Santa Claus. And of course, that survey coming out and it ties in with what we spoke about in the last number of weeks was the Education Minister, Norma Foley. She, of course, remember, was urging parents to consider uh, to reconsider allow their children to put phones on the list for Santa this year and of course uh, she was talking about uh, trying to have a complete ban on uh, any child in primary school so that would be up to the age of 12 having so that they wouldn't get their first smartphone until they go into a uh, first year but asked about the dangers of smartphones at the weekend and that scourge of uh, cyberbullying the Thonister Michal Martin said that the government is looking at programmes that are being rolled out out in some primary schools and they're looking at rolling many of those out across the country. But he was then asked about the death by suicide of that young girl that I spoke about on the programme on Friday, uh, Sadie, Sophie. Sophia Gray, a young 13-year-old, she took her own life following constant cyber uh, bullying by other young people and it was people picking on her, God help her, about her uh, weight and her family has called now for greater efforts to be made to tackle the problem of cy- cyber bullying, given the background to how she ended her life uh, two years ago at just 13. She was uh, bought a child and it was only after her death when the family had real access to her smartphone that they were able to see the level 
level of cyberbullying that she was experiencing at all the, all hours of the day and night. And actually her mother at the inquest last week said that one of her greatest regrets was ever buying her daughter a, a smartphone. So Micheál Martin was asked about that case at the weekend and, you know, while he accepted it's such a sad, sad, uh, tragic case, uh, he says he thinks that it's important that we really focus on the well-being of children and that we develop their self-esteem and their self-respect, that they develop a strong resilience to enable them to cope with a form and a channel that people, the Thonish's age, never had to deal with when he was uh, growing up. He says he thinks the pressure on young children and young people online is absolutely enormous. And so say all of us. So I think the longer we can keep our young people away from being online with access. Now, online and computers are fantastic and the internet is fantastic and it's opened up, you know, it's opened up a whole new world when it comes to education and everybody accepts that and it's brilliant for research and for checking things out but I think it's the social media side of it that we've just we've never seemed to got a handle on it sort of took off at an alarming uh, rate and it has led to all kinds of problems but it just it breaks my heart to think of a 13 year old girl who would think she is better off dead than having to face her bullies on a daily basis in school and over her phone it was a truly truly sad sad case so majority of people feeling Santa Claus this year should not be bringing smartphones when he's coming down the chimney on uh, Christmas Eve. And while we'll have people who are really struggling this Christmas, the government have uh, placed a new government jet on their Santa wish uh, list. It's the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar. Uh, he, it was reported the weekend he signed off on the government's plan to spend more than €45 million on a new business jet. And I know that figure will exacerbate people and will think with everything that's going on, do they really need to spend €45 million on a government jet? Now, the government have signed off on the plan to buy the jet. This jet will have a minimum of two engines. It'll have at least 10 10 seats and it will be capable of travelling three and a half thousand nautical miles without having to stop to uh, refuel. Ministers have complained repeatedly to the Department of Defence about the current Lear uh, jet, which has suffered frequent technical falls and that, of course, has ended up leaving ministers stranded and then either to get another plane or they to get them on a commercial flight to get them home or to get them to their destination. And the current jet, the one that they're having the problems with, um, there's also a slight problem with that in that the range is only 2,000 nautical uh, miles and that obviously limits its ability to fly ministers around the globe. For example, if when we're handing over the the bowl of shamrock on St. Patrick's Day. Dublin to uh, Washington is 3,000 nautical miles so the current Lear jet wouldn't even get the Taoiseach from Dublin to uh, Washington. The Taunashtan Micheál Martin also wants to replace the Air Corps Allier jet. And by the way, the one that is causing trouble, they've got great mileage out of it. It's It'll be in service 20 years next year. They bought it in 2004. And the ageing jet has suffered significant reliability problems and it was unavailable for around 35% of the time last year. As a result, the government had to charter a private jet, very expensive, I'm told, to charter a private jet and they had to do that to ensure that ministers could attend meetings, for example, in uh, Brussels. So as well as operating as a ministerial air transport service, 
this when and when this new Learjet is bought, it'll also be capable of being modified to install a life port stretcher system to enable it to carry critically ill patients. So it can also be used as an air ambulance. And that's obviously very important because that's designed to transport patients requiring, you know, advanced life support. It will be people, you know, like the evacuation of Irish citizens if they end up in critical situations. It can be used as the air ambulance for patient transfer, either bringing medical, you know, evacuation and the repatriation of Irish Defence Force personnel, for example, or if we have got very ill ordinary citizens abroad that need to get back here for treatment are on the flip side of that if we need to get Irish people abroad for life-saving urgent medical treatment then obviously could be used for that so while it would be predominantly used as a ministerial air transport service there is an advantage to ordinary citizens as well. Now according to the department the procurement process is now subject to a competition in the market. So therefore, the Department of Defence is not in a position to make any further comment, but it's looking like they have signed off that that's the max they'll spend, 45 million on a government jet. Your thoughts welcomed. I was kind of thinking it might get reaction to the news that the government has uh, signed off on a plan uh, to spend more than 45 million euro on a new government jet. Uh, Morris this morning, Patricia, isn't that absolutely fantastic news? A brand new jet for the government. I can just about afford to get new tyres for my car, says uh, Maura. Life support, it will never be used for that, I bet. Well, it will, but how many times it will be used, I suppose, uh, Maura, uh, is uh, the thing. Okay, but obviously, from the tone of your text, not too pleased. Ed says, morning, Patricia. Is there any chance I could book a seat on that government jet to take me to see Bruce Springsteen? (laughs) Says Ed, yeah. Good luck with that, Ed. Let us know how you uh, get on. Hi Patricia, do you know there's still no bus shelter in Butterfant for the people going to Limerick? There's one I'm sure on the other side of the road but it's for the good people heading to in the Limerick direction there isn't a one. The, the, I feel like this stage the council now have no respect for people. People are standing out in the rain uh, this morning. You've got uh, children with special needs needing to get to Charleville all standing there waiting for the bus. It is an absolute disgrace says a WhatsApper to 086 to 103 103. And Norma earlier by WhatsApp was on uh, to say that she's got a Revolut account and they have recently started to ask her further her PPS number. Is this necessary? Many thanks, says uh, Norma. And it is. The first time I think it came on our radar was around March of this year when Revolut were either sending emails out uh, to people. I don't know if they also send out uh, text messages looking for PPS uh, numbers. But uh, yes, it is legit. It's um, Revolut. They're a European bank. So they look for people's tax numbers of its people. It's to determine where they where they pay their taxes to do with tax residency and I'm assuming it's all to do with to, to stop money laundering uh, etc but the fact that they are a European bank they have to be able to prove that where the customers are and where their tax residency uh, is uh, so yes it is legit just I was talking to John Paul about it because he said um, I've only recently signed up for Revolution. I know he's at Revolut for, for quite some time he said just make absolutely certain that the message has come from Revolut but yes lots of people are receiving messages from Revolut 
Revolut looking for their PPS number. It is legit. The Oireachtas Justice Committee has been urged to ban teenage discos for under 16-year-olds because there are not enough safeguards put in place around these events to protect children who attend them. Paula Leonard is National Lead for the Irish Community Action on Alcohol Network and she joins me to discuss their submission to the Oireachtas Justice uh, Committee. Good morning to you, Paula. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're very welcome uh, to the programme. This is an issue that often comes up here on the programme and we would have many parents who absolutely dread these teenage uh, discos because isn't it fair to say that a lot of drinking goes on, not necessarily at the event, but before these events? Absolutely. I think that, you know, that's the difficulty and that's the fear that parents have. Um, it's the fears that venues have in fairness to them in terms of admitting children who are highly intoxicated and then taking responsibility for them under the law. Um, and, you know, this is a complex mess in terms of the legislation. And I think that while, you know, proper attention has been paid to the liberalisation of alcohol licensing in Ireland, and, you know, we absolutely have concerns in relation to the proposed extension for nightclub hours to be able to serve up until 5pm, and for, you know, the late licences to become much easier to get and the number of licences is going to increase in this country. Because the legislation is so significant, it's 150 pages long, the bill, um, there are some issues that do need to be raised, and that's why I'm on this morning delighted to talk about this, that are getting lost, you know what I mean, in the mm. overall narrative that's being discussed at the moment in terms of the hours of sale, etc., so this piece dates back actually to about 2003-2004 because under the Intoxicating Liquor Act, which is the existing legislation, you know, it says that children were allowed to be in a bar with their parents up until 9pm. Mm-hmm. But the interpretation of that and then were they allowed to be in a, in a licensed premises, you know, without their parents being present, um, that the Gardaí were interpreting that differently than some venues were. And back in 2004, when Michael McDowell was the minister... Um, for justice at the time, there was legislation, tiny little piece of an amendment brought forward that said the children could be on a licensed premises um, without their parents being present to supervise them and what they were up to, as long as they were on a part of the premises that was structurally separate from everything else, where alcohol is not being sold at the time. Okay, so they can effectively be in what are, you know, adult um, premises, designed for adults, highly sexualized environment where the bar is visible, where the posters, where the alcohol advertising is visible. And we have protections in the Public Health Alcohol Act around limiting children's exposure to alcohol advertising because we know it's not a good idea. Um, And you could have thousands of children, particularly after the junior cert results one um, and the Halloween ones now and now the Christmas ones and the summer holiday ones. Um, These have become more and more frequent. They've become bigger and bigger. Um, and what we're hearing is that in some instances, children as young as 11 and 12 are attending Yeah, you see, this events. this is the problem. It's it's the it's the younger age. The, yeah. there, there never seems to be an age, younger yeah. age limit on it. And would you have spoken and heard from Garda Siakona around the country who are actually saying that they need to put on extra members when these local discos are being held? Yeah, we absolutely have because, you know, if on any provincial town around the country, and these are largely in sort of the large provincial towns around Ireland, um, very big um, events that are very lucrative for the uh, nightclubs that are running them, even though they aren't selling alcohol on those nights, they're charging, you know, 20 euros a ticket and you have about two and a half thousand young people. So they're quite, they're quite 
you know, a good earner for nightclubs. Um, and what we're seeing is that, you know, young people are attending these events. If they don't get in because they're intoxicated, because they've travelled a long distance in a car or in a taxi where alcohol has been consumed or in a bus where alcohol has been consumed, um, what is happening is they're coming, falling onto the streets of Monaghan Town or Cavan Town or Letterkenny or Ennis. Um, they're not allowed being into the nightclub, so they're highly intoxicated on the street. And if a guard has to take one of those to the station or to the hospital, to the emergency department for alcohol intoxication, which is happening quite regularly, they need two members of Angarda Siakona to do that because they're dealing with a minor. So, you know, in some towns, like in Monaghan, we have seen really proactive um, responses from Angarda Siakona who've been working with the Drug and Alcohol Task Force in that area up in the northeast. Um, and they have a safer socialising initiative where they're saying initially that they were supervising children getting onto these buses to travel an hour into Monaghan Town, that they were checking, you know, bags and coats, um, making sure the children didn't have access to alcohol en route. Um, but they've had to abandon that, whereas now they've agreed with the nightclub that no buses can go, that if, if parents want their children to attend these events, they have to leave them there because the risks are too high and lawmakers, Garda Siakona, all of us, we have a responsibility um, in terms of the rights of children and protecting the rights of children. And that's not happening right now. So the sale of alcohol bills gives the government an opportunity to look at this problem that has been growing in scale and size and with speed, with concern from Garda Siakona, with concern from sexual assault treatment units, with concern from youth work organisations across the country, um, to say right, it's time for us to sort of press pause on the sale of alcohol bills, have a look at it, and see what we need to do from the perspective yeah, of protecting Yeah, and you know, of Paula, I, I can, in my mind's eye, I can see a lot of parents uh, listening to you speak this morning and, and nodding and, and agreeing with you because I know uh, when we, as I say, would regularly hear from parents when there's, you know, a, a disco is about to, uh, to happen, yeah. the, the pester power, everybody else is going, uh, and I only spoke about pester power when it came, comes to yeah. they're buying a smartphones um, at yeah. the start of the programme today, but like a lot of parents feel under huge pressure because they their Johnny or their Mary is the only one not getting on the bus and heading into the city or heading into the local, the nearest large town. And it does put a lot of pressure on parents. Whereas if these events weren't held, it would take that pressure away. Absolutely. I mean, the day of the, I'm old enough to remember, you know, the discos in the local community centre. So am I. So am I. Um, And the the youth club and and you have that. Yeah. And they they were very innocent days. They were. And I mean, the innocence bit is, you know, we're in a very different age now. And I mean, social media and music and what children's tastes and all of that have moved on. But that does not take away responsibility from the state to protect children. And, you know, we have children as young as 11 and 12 years of age attending with thousands of young people onto premises. Now, if I tomorrow morning wanted to set up a youth club and I used to be a youth worker for those, for those, but if I wanted to set up a youth club, I would have to look at my child adult ratio. I would have to look at what staff and volunteers have been involved. I would have to look at what my child safety statement was for my venue. I would have to have, you know, child protection training in place for all of my staff. Guard the vetting. That's a, that's a really that's a vetting. really good point. And is there any requirement for child protection training for the staff working at these discos? The staff working at these discos are the staff who work. On a normal day-to-day, um, their job is 
you know, monitoring. So if we're talking about the security staff, it's monitoring the behaviour of over-18s while they're intoxicated on the licensed premises. That's what they're trained to do. That's what, you know, they're paid to do. That's their job. They're not trained in child protection, child behaviour, any of those things that you would expect in a in an environment where you're providing services to young people. So, I mean, we really need to see sort of child safeguarding and child protection um, being brought into this arena and looked at in this way. Um, and I, you know, we're not, I absolutely am the proud owner of an 11-year-old who will be pestering me yeah. to join her buddies and some of her buddies are already attending these events. Um, Um, One of our listeners, June, said, so glad to hear you uh, talking about this uh, issue today, uh, Patricia. Uh, Last year, my daughter attended one of these discos and I went to pick her up afterwards. I could not get over. Uh, I, I went a half an hour early. Uh, yeah. to collect it and I couldn't get over the numbers who hadn't been left in and were literally lying around the street drunk out of their minds. It was truly shocking to witness it. Yeah, and I mean, well, look, this is a failure of policy and legislation because you can't put all of the blame at the doors and the venues. This is about shared responsibility for protecting the rights of children and this is not the nanny state. This is about saying if we're going to have children in highly, you know, alcohol friendly environments if we're habituating them into the world of adults where they're getting to go up to a bar, albeit to order a mineral, but these are adult behaviours and adult venues. What is the state doing with the sale of alcohol bill to put in and bring forward protections for children? Because every parent that I talk to up and down the country is concerned about this and they feel that they're being over the top um, in their concerns about it and they're not. We have created this. This is a manufactured problem, which is to do with a failure of legislation. I don't think that Mike and McDowell had any notion back in 2004 that this is what they were going to create. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I think sometimes uh, Simon, Simon, one of our listeners says, surely the bigger problem is where are these young children accessing the alcohol if they're under 18? Yeah, correct. This is also this is also an issue. Do you know this is ev- this is about the shared responsibility. So where are they getting the alcohol? Where are they purchasing it, or who is supplying it to them? How are they, you know, on um, buses travelling, you know, distances of up to an hour and a half to attend, a distance of an hour and a half to get home again? How are they consuming such large amounts of alcohol? Because we we are hearing anecdotally, and we're hearing from a guy this and we're seeing the presentations in emergency departments and in County Cork a number of years ago, you may remember, there was a lot of controversy about what was described as field hospital had to be set up by one of these events. I, I do so remember as well. I remember, yeah, there were so many well. unconscious and, and, and we haven't even touched on mixed in with the alcohol is the availability of drugs. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So okay. this is about children's rights and child protection. Did you get a good hearing? Did you get? Did, did, were you before the Oroctus Justice Committee? We were. We did, per, we did you get a good evidence. hearing? Um, I think and I'm coming back to this because we're big supporters of, you know, everything else the public health community is saying about the hours of saying the numbers of licenses and absolutely with them on this. But very little attention has been paid to children in the debate around this legislation. And I don't think we see we had an adequate hearing. OK. And very finally, Maura says kids will test the waters to the extreme. That's what young people do. What about the parents who allow house parties in their homes before they discuss? Okay, that's a very particular question. So we have legislation in Ireland that prohibits the sale of alcohol and the supply of alcohol to persons under 18. Within a private home, 
legislation doesn't cover that. And I mean, that's kind of, if we remove the ability of parents um, to monitor their children's thinking within a private home, that would interfere with sort of constitutional protections and provisions that there are around parental authority. That is really important. And I think that's another conversation for parents that's about parental responsibility. But this piece is about the state. This piece is about licensing. And this piece is about how we protect children. Okay, we'll come back to it again. Um, I feel sure, Paula. In the meantime, thank you for that and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Lovely, listen, great to Good talk morning to you. Bye-bye. 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 Uh, Paula Leonard, uh, National Lead of the Irish Community Action on Alcohol and Network, looking for a ban on underage discos. Your thoughts are, are welcomed. Are you with uh, Paula that these events, some of them are huge, huge events, particularly when she mentioned uh, the junior search and the, you know, the end of the summer, there's often ones in Halloween and you can have, you know, two, two and a half thousand people. It's an adult nightclub and it just gets taken over by uh, young people. But it's what is happening uh, before and sometimes after the event with the amount of drink and the availability of drugs as well. So your thoughts welcomed. Is that the way to protect our children? Just ban underage, uh, underage discos? Now, if we were asking any young people, they would absolutely go nuts and say we need to have our discos. Is there a way of doing it and is there a way of doing it safely? I mentioned earlier about the bus shelter in Butterfant affecting those people who are travelling to and from the Limerick uh, side. The Cork side seems to have a bus shelter, but it's on the other side of the road. I know we've heard about it before. So John Paul says we've contacted bus Aaron, um, who advised us that the National Transport Authority, who deal with all bus shelter constructions so it's under the NTA so there's no point blaming bus air and somebody else was blaming the council no point blaming the council either it's up to the NTA National Transport Authority they are the ones who decide where bus shelters are going to go and they are the ones who put them in place and Bernice heard me mentioning about bus shelters and she was also on uh, to say that there has never been a proper bus shelter in Mallow Town she said people are constantly waiting in the rain and she said I was one of those people just last week I'm on a crutch and I can't stand for very long and I was actually in agony waiting for the Cork bus to arrive unfortunately on that particular day the bus ran late nobody by the way who did have a seat gave me uh, a seat I almost collapsed and fainted something has to be done and I'm assuming you're talking about the bus shelter on Park Road there is a bus shelter there even though I constantly it's a small bus shelter so of course when people get in and sit down and they're safe you'll you'll see people I constantly see people standing outside of that bus shelter that's quite a busy bus pickup I know there is another pickup and I'm assuming it's for the same bus that's out the old Cork uh, Road and there's a bus shelter was put in there in the last year or two, never see I see people sitting waiting for the bus to come, and that never that that one never seems uh, too busy. But I suppose some bus stops are going to be busier than uh, others. But it breaks my heart, Bernice, to think that you were standing there with a crutch and that nobody who had one of the seats got up to offer it to you, um, unless. I would like to think that maybe everybody else that was sitting down was in need of the seat. Was was that what the issue uh, was? But it would it would be shocking to think that an able-bodied person 
wouldn't get up and actually hand a seat over to somebody who very obviously is in need of the seat because they're standing there with a crutch. I mentioned the Lear jet and the government jet and the fact that the Cabinet have now uh, signed off on €45 million euro, uh, to be spent on a new business jet for the government in Charleville. To see the money wasted so far on the N20 and M20 motorway proposals and nothing has been done Yes, we've lost so many lives just in the town of Charleville. We only spoke about it last week on the programme. Program. And then, Patricia, to hear you this morning say that the government wants to invest €45 million Euro in a government jet. It is disgrace spending money on that kind of an aeroplane. Why can't they not wait at airports like the rest of us? I was eating my breakfast listening to you as you were speaking this morning and it has actually made my stomach turn and it has actually made me upset. Not everybody happy with the government jet. Jimmy in Castletown Bear says the money invested in this Lear jet, how many homes would that build? homes for our young people who are desperately in need of a a new um, house. And uh, somebody else says, Patricia, they'll probably be able to use that government jet to bring in Ukrainian refugees. I can't even afford a new tyre for my 2011 car. This country is becoming a joke. Okay, some of your thoughts coming in this morning. The government signing off on a plan to spend more than 45 million euro on a new Learjet because I have enraged so many people. I've yet to find one texter call in to say, yeah, this is a good move by the government and yes, the government does need to have a Learjet at its disposal. Alan says, how are you? Come here now, Trish. 45 million for a government jet. Why don't, you, why don't they just buy a property in Brussels, base a minister over there full time? They wouldn't have to go over and back attending meetings. The minister based over there would be able to have all the meetings, job done and you wouldn't need a government jet. Well, I know I did mention Brussels but it isn't just Brussels that they go to don't forget the flying of the bringing over the shamrock to Washington if they get this new Learjet it would mean that the Taoiseach of the day would be able to get on a plane in Dublin or Shannon and would be able to go all the way to Washington because it would be uh, capable of travelling three and a half thousand nautical miles without needing to refuel whereas the current one which seems to be a bit banjaxed could only ever do two thousand nautical miles so they were never able to go from uh, Dublin to uh, Washington but anyway Alan's not happy with it and then somebody else is wondering, uh, says, Hi Trish, will this new government jet, will it be an e-jet, an electric uh, jet? Will it run on batteries? Surely it'll have to, with Eamon Ryan of the Green Party in uh, government. Well, listen, we're not that far away from having e-planes. I spotted a piece, it was in the New York Times recently, where they reported that they had this kind of big full page feature page spread on this electric aircraft. Now, it was rather strange looking. It was a small uh, aircraft, but it was capable of doing uh, short uh, journeys. But the article was all about electric planes and that we're only a few years away from commercial viability. I still don't know how I'd feel about getting into a plane that I knew was being solar powered or battery powered. But anyway, we're seemingly only a few years away from it. And when you look at convention aviation, uh, conventional aviation, we need to do something about it because of its emissions. And in 2022, the conventional aviation admitted almost 800 million tonnes of carbon. And if you're looking at the global 
amount of carbon emissions that are released every year. That's 2% of the total global energy related emissions is down to aviation. I actually thought that that figure would have been higher. That's according to the International Energy uh, Agency and they say it's one of the most challenging sectors to decarbonise at the moment but they're very much in favour and you know the technology is getting closer and closer to us having electric battery operated or solar powered or uh, whatever you're having yourself but we are getting closer to it but it's 2% of the total global energy related emissions comes from aviation as I say I thought that figure would have been higher 0818103103 we were speaking about teenage discos and do we need to look at the teenage discos particularly the large discos that are organised mainly in cities and large urban towns and the problems the antisocial problems that's been associated with them Dan says Patricia years ago it used to be all about going to the local hop as they were known I wonder that word hop came from was it to do with the kind of dancing people were hopping from one foot uh, to the other anyway Dan says back in the day when the hop was on or the youth disco was on or the community hall held a disco there would always be some of the parents there supervising just to make sure that everything was okay that in my opinion says Dan is the biggest problem with today's discuss. There's no parental presence at them, hence the dangers. And I suppose and Paula Leonard, who spoke with us this morning, like she mentioned, the youth club uh, disco. We've come a long way, I suppose, from that. They're now very much commercial entities. These are nightclubs. There's not always the nightclub themselves that are running them, but you'll have a business will come in and will hire the nightclub for the evening of a teenage disco. A lot of money to be made out of this. So it's it's very different to the, the hop that you're talking about, Dan, that would be no organised and local parents would have volunteered and it would be their turn to almost be like the bouncers of the day. But yeah, it's very different. 0818 103 103. Simpler times, Dan. Simpler uh, times. And then, uh, listeners, same morning, Patricia. I have a grievance. Hopefully you will give it an airing this morning. I'm absolutely fuming, Patricia, says this texter. I'm working my whole life paying taxes. But I've decided I'm going to give up my job and I'm going to go on the dole. Why? Well, I'm fuming. Why should I keep paying to keep people who are coming into this country fleeing war and now there's talks about them going home for Christmas on their Christmas holidays. Their houses were bombed, we were told. So where are they going back to for Christmas? Now, Patricia, please, I'm not racist, but I'm actually sick of it. There's people coming into this country claiming everything. We're the laughing stock of every other country. I feel my country is no longer the safe country I once grew up in. in. I'm absolutely fuming over Ukrainians being allowed to go home to a war-torn country. This has to stop. Now this was an issue that actually came up last week because there was talk a few weeks ago that Ukrainians wouldn't be allowed. These were Ukrainians who live in state funded accommodation that they wouldn't be allowed home for uh, Christmas but anyway there was a decision made that they will now be allowed if they want to go home for, for Christmas but they must be back by the 5th of January and if not they then risk losing their accommodation. It's a protocol that was set up last week by the government. Now this is only for Ukrainians that are living in state funded temporary accommodation. They will now be allowed travel and be absence further accommodation without notifying the Ukrainian crisis temporary accommodation team in advance. The government said that the absence protocol does not apply 
to Ukrainians who are residing in pledged homes or in modular homes? Are there also a number of Ukrainians who are renting their own property and have made their own arrangements? They are obviously free to travel uh, whenever they want. But this is for the people who are in state-funded temporary accommodation. Now, so they're allowed to go home for Christmas, but during that time, uh, they must continue paying, if they're paying whatever contribution they're paying, they must continue paying for it. Any unsanctioned absences will be treated as a refusal and the accommodation then will be relocated. Now, I know groups who work with uh, people who are flea worn and who work with asylum seekers, people like the migrant advocacy group uh, Doris, they say this provided welcome clarity for people that they wouldn't lose their accommodation if they decide to go home for Christmas. They say it's important to stress as well for people going to meet family members back in Ukraine. There's a war still going on in that country. Homes have been destroyed. Livelihoods have been uh, destroyed uh, by people leaving their accommodation for a variety of reasons. Um, we'll go back for medical treatment or going back. Isn't it unbelievable to think that we would have Ukrainians leaving this country to go back to medical care for a country that is at war and they obviously can't get that medical treatment uh, here and of course others, well they may have lost their home but they may go back to uh, visit uh, families and according to recent statistics there are more than 96,000 PPS numbers given to people from Ukraine and some of them will want to return. Anyway, we have a listener this morning who is fuming about that, that if they, they're coming here for fleeing for war, uh, why would they want to go back? But I suppose they'd probably go to a part of the country where maybe isn't as bombed. Not every area is under constant siege. Some areas are more affected than other uh, areas. But at the end of the day, they're still going back to a country that is at war uh, with uh, Russia. Now, I did actually read in the papers uh, today that um, Ireland, we need to slow down the flow of Ukrainians who are coming into this country. And this was Leo Varadkar who was speaking about this. And uh, he said that the offering incoming Ukrainians and other refugees, the offerings that we give them, that, that that will have to change because he simply says it's not feasible to continue to take in people and to actually have no limits on the number of people. And that really is a change of heart for the government because whenever they've been asked about will there be a limit on the number of people that you would take into this uh, country, they've always been a pains to point out there won't be a limit. Now he did talk about migration and listen we all know migration is good for this country we get, you know uh, migrant workers who come into this country, workers that we badly need and they come in and they work and they integrate and they pay their taxes and they come in through work permits and visas and they will always be needed. But what he's talking about is the irregular uh, migration. People who, for example, are coming fleeing war in Ukraine are people who are seeking international protection. These are those that are coming looking for uh, asylum. He said he thinks one of the things we have to do is, he says, we have to make sure that what we are offering in terms of accommodation and in terms of work and in terms of money that we give these people is similar to what is given in other EU countries. And we've spoken about it on the programme. We know it isn't similar. We are very generous in what we give to the people who are fleeing, particularly those who are fleeing war in uh, Ukraine. He said, even countries with hard right governments and anti-immigration governments, he said they haven't stopped irregular migration. But he said the airport border controls he said that does need to be improved. Now, he did say we're doing it and he t- he spoke about recently 
he was on a flight from Helsinki a couple of weeks ago and he said as he was getting off the flight he could see that they were stopping people the opportunity to destroy documents because we know that that's happening. People are getting on planes and then they're destroying documents and then it's harder for our Department of Foreign Affairs to work out who is a legitimate refugee and who is not. But he said he witnessed them stopping people destroying uh, documents. However, Leo Varadkar added that the country needs to align itself with what it provides and what has been provided by other countries. And that's simply down to the numbers who are coming from EU countries and Britain. They're looking at Ireland and we seem to be a better option for them. And that's why they're leaving a safe, one safe country and coming to another country. He says there are a lot of people who may have left their home country a number of years ago or indeed even a number of months ago. And maybe they weren't safe in those countries and they had to flee. But they actually have spent months, in some cases even years, in the UK or even in France before deciding, oh no, Ireland is a better option. They'll go to Ireland uh, instead. And he said that's what they call secondary uh, movements. And he said we have got to stop encouraging uh, that. And he was speaking as the European Commission published statistics shown that the rates of increase of Ukrainians arriving in Ireland over the past year was 10 times higher than the average increase in any of the other countries, any of the other EU uh, countries, and 10 times higher since uh, the war began. A 72% increase has been recorded in the number of Ukrainians seeking international protection in this country in the 12 months up to the end of September. Over that same time, the number of Ukrainian citizens seeking refuge across other European countries was just 7.2%. We were 72%, 7% for other countries. It's the second highest rate of increase amongst the 27 EU member states over the past year. The only other country to take more was Romania and obviously they're closer uh, to uh, Ukraine. Uh, they almost uh, doubled their numbers, 240,000. And in the same time, the number of Ukrainian refugees have has dropped in six countries. So they were there and they decided um, we don't have a breakdown. Did some of them go back home to Ukraine or did some of them move on to other countries and could Ireland be that country? Poland is a country that's taken a huge number of Ukrainian uh, refugees. They've seen their numbers fall by 30%, but they still have a staggering number. There are 400,000 people there uh, seeking temporary protection, but they have seen a, a, a fall in the number, 30% less. This isn't 30% new people arriving, that's 30% who were in Poland and have decided uh, to leave. And figures show the number of Ukrainians who are granted temporary protection in Ireland stood at uh, just under 54,000 in September of 2022. But that figure went up by another 40,000 in the next 12 months. And that brings that figure to over now 93,000. And there is the danger that more and more are to arrive. And we already have a housing crisis and we certainly have a crisis when it comes to housing refugees something has to give. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The Travellers Rest in Cora. They've got a vacancy for an experienced bartender. Please call 087 136 0205. Footwear in Mallow. They're looking for a part-time salesperson. It's to work three days per week. Now, previous experience and some social media skills would be an advantage. CVs in your cover letter, please, to O'Flynn's Footwear at gmail.com. 
and Deer Park Motors they're in Charleville they're looking for a person for delivery and collection of vehicles also general cleaning of vehicles now a full driver's licence is essential CVs to info at deerparkmotors.ie and a general labourer is wanted that's for an immediate start and it's for work in the North Cork area you need to be over 25 and also have a full clean driver's licence 087 7566524 you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie last Friday I spoke with uh, John Dolan the editor of the Holly Bow and says it's always an indication that Christmas is around the corner when the Holly Bow is in the shops in Cork well having my next guest in studio is also a sign that we need to start decking the halls uh, good morning to uh, Brendan Sands of the Get Up and Go uh, Diary Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Chris. It's always a pleasure to, to, to have you here in, in studio. How many years are the diaries going? Well, we're going to 2007. Is it 2007? Yeah. And I, I, I think you've been coming here since 2007. Just, just about, yeah. And yeah. it's always lovely to come here and talk to you guys and meet with you again. You know, during the pandemic, just that was the only time that it actually annoyed yeah. me that yeah. I couldn't actually call yeah, in. We did, it over the phone. <laughs> yeah, we did it We did it over the phone. Yeah, I, I remember years, that. Yeah. And what, what I love from the from the very first diary that you've ever produced, and of course there's been, there's so much more uh, now, they're just full of hope and inspiration and joy. And God knows we can all do with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what, what we're finding now, Trish, is uh, they're actually being used as sort of as a health product. Yeah. You know, just for just for till ease your, your mind and, you know, to look after your, your own well-being, you know, so much so that we've actually come up with a, a well-being diary. Well, I, you know? I was I was thrilled to see that. This is the, the newest one. This is the newest one for yeah, this year, yeah, isn't it? Yes. It's it's a, a daily guide uh, to a well-being. And like and on top of all of that, it is a normal diary. So you can still use it for your appointments or to just scribble your notes or whatever, your, your musings, whatever you want to uh, to uh, put in it. And it's just literally full of uh, inspiration and, and motivation. It it is it's it's beautiful and they're they're always beautifully produced as well and that's always been important to you isn't it from day one um, and the colours in them yes absolutely it's uh, it's very important we think to have you know to have a quality product on the shelf at a at, at, we would say a reason a very reasonable price you know so I like to see the the products as uh, on the shelf just like. In sitting there as a quality product. Yeah. Ours, how, much, how much are they retailing at? Well, that particular one that you have in your hand, that, that's retailing at fourteen ninety five. Yeah. And our busy woman and our Irish paperbacks, they're retailing at €12. Euro. And good. That in- really yeah, that, good value. Yeah. Okay. And that includes also is the, is the one for the young persons. We have one that is marketed at the sort of the 8 to 11s. And uh, that's that's going really well as well, and it makes it's a great uh, stocking filler as far as we can see as well, you know. Well, I spent the weekend just uh, going through them all, and and I like sort of got lost in a rabbit hole, literally turning page after page after page, just to try and find ones that that, that I particularly uh, liked. And and funny enough, this one is in this is one is in April that caught my eye. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss and have found their way out of the depths. These people have an appreciation, a sensitivity and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people 
do not just happen. And I just that, you know, it's funny how you you read something and it just resonates with you, isn't it? It's I, I, I don't know what it is. And it's yeah. just I think to just sit and reflect when you see something like that and just sit and reflect on it. Yeah, it's really good to, if you can do that. Yeah, you know, just just take just take those few minutes off. You know, what I mean, if, every day or whenever you wish, and uh, you know, you will see the, you know, the, the, the what did I say? You, you'll see what's in yourself in the in the in the book. Yeah, right, and you'll see the actual reflection. You know, what I mean, of, of making a difference to people. You know, you can actually make a difference for, to people by what you see on, on the diary as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, at yeah. least I find that as if I can see something, I think, and oh, I could do that to someone. And just make the difference from there, from for them that particular day. Yeah, and know? it can be the smallest thing. I was, it was only a, last week. I'd say I was, as always, I'm in a rush. I rush. I run from A to B. And and any parent of a special needs uh, child will identify with me. You're constantly on the clock. You're constantly because you need to collect. You need to go. You have an appointment. And I was rushing out the door of uh, a supermarket with the bits that I had grabbed. And there was this woman smiling at me. And I was thinking, oh, do I know? You know, the way you look at somebody, you think, do I know her? And, and as I approached her, I kind of said, oh, hello. And she said, oh, I don't know you from Adam. But she said, you look lovely today. And I just thought, oh, goodness. And, I, and rather than say, and she said, oh, you're very stylish. And I was about to say this whole thing. But I didn't. I just accepted it. And I just, well, my... I felt my step was lighter and but it was a simple thing from a random woman who doesn't know me from Adam and she had me smiling for the rest of the day. Like that's isn't that a simple thing that people can do? Well simplest things always mean the most. Yeah, they do, I, yeah. I find that anyway, you know, just like if you can do something simple and be just be that person for someone else that particular time. Look at the way you felt after that. Yeah, yeah. You know, how did that person make you feel? Yeah, oh, a, a million dollars. A mil- and I actually went in and checked myself in the mirror in the car and then I was like, oh, it is not quite a nice look. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. I love this advice from a, a sunflower. Be outstanding in your field. Hold your head high. Show your sunny side. Look up. Always face the sunshine. Spread happiness. Keep growing. Keep glowing. I oh, and I, I, Sunflowers to me are one of my favourite flowers anyway. So I loved, I absolutely adored that particular piece. Yeah. Now, tell me, but are you still th- th- your model of doing business? Is it still the same? Do you still go around the highways and byways of the country? I still go around the highways and byways of the country. I absolutely love meeting people. I just love meeting people. And you go into the shop, and the, the manager or the, the shop assistant, whoever it is, is there, and they put a smile on your face. We just love. Me- it's just something I love. Just yeah, meeting. but it's it, it's a tough bottle of business. I mean, there's got to be an easier way of doing business. But you you like to just get in the car yeah. and engage with people. Yeah, and I, I I won't do it like five or six times a year. But if I can do that once, yeah, maybe twice. You know what I mean? And then we'll deal by by telephone or or email yeah. or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? But the, you know what I mean? Those people are what will I say to that, to that like. Those people are my friends. Yeah. Like, they all are my... Like, look, look at me calling here. Like, nothing, only friends at this radio station. Yeah. You know, like... And, and we're always... And I'm really banging on about it this year, about, you know, the importance of shopping local. And I accept that online will always be there and there'll always be a need for, for online. But to shop local and... and the vast majority of the businesses that will stock any of the Get Up and Go diaries, they're the small independent booksellers. Yeah. And they're the ones that really need our support. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Shop local all the time. I'm, I'm very much for into the buy local. You know what I mean? Look, look after the people that's looking after you. Yeah. And those people that looked after you during the COVID and everything as well, they're still there, you know, and they're getting a tough on the corner, you know. Uh, 
Yeah, so I just I just just be out there. I'm on the pavements, and I, as I say, just I call round. I love meeting people, and I travel all over the country, and uh, you know, it's it's all a reflection. There's a reflection just in in the products that we have as well. You know what I mean? Like, you know, with the way okay, we. Okay, now so talk to me about the 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 the, the different products. Uh, like the standard Get Up and Go Diary will always be there, and yes. and, and that's there again. For, for 2024. What what else do we have this year? And oh. and if you want it as a really nice present, and, and, and I do think it's a lovely present, the, the hardbound ones. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you call them? Case-bound. Case-bound case yeah. is, is, is what, you, what you call them. Yeah. They're available as well. Yeah, they're available in, in the shops as well. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. And uh, the, the paperback version of the Irish, as you said, and the paperback version of the Busy Woman. But we also have a, a one, as I mentioned earlier on, for young people, and that's a paperback as well. And uh, we also have... Uh, now, the young people is... is for boys and girls, isn't it? It's, 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 it's neither one or the other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, there's no, we, yeah. we don't make any uh, difference there. Yeah, in, in, in that at all, you know. And we have the gratitude journal. Uh, Love that. Going quite well as well. It's it been out there. And you actually get an opportunity to write every day what you're grateful for. Every day. And you might have the same thing that you're grateful for yesterday and it's exactly the same as today. And that really works as well, you know. So, uh, and we have a wall planner. Uh, quite a lot of uh, people actually get that up. They, they put it up on their kitchen wall or whatever the case well, might we, be. Well, I was just saying to Brendan before we went live, we have the, because he very kindly brought us our wall planner here for C103. We've been using it for the last number of years. And again, it's a standard wall planner, yep. but it's bright and it's colourful. And on a dark, dreary day, <laughs> it's it can be cheerful. You know, I, I remember last February on a miserable day, standing waiting for the kettle to boil and looking at the, at the planner and sort of counting down Where's my holidays? How many years? You know, how many more weeks do I have to go? It's great. Yeah, yeah, and it's all there. And then we have another one that that's actually coming up next week. Uh, it actually came out late due to shortage of paper and shortage of stuff just around the, around the world. And that's a planner. For, that's a, a daily planner for a busy woman. There's 365 daily pages in it, so that'll be coming out at the end of next week as well. That's okay. what we're looking forward to, you know. So, uh, so you another busy year. Another busy year, yeah. right, you know. And you can't do any of this without the team behind you. Absolutely. Cannot, could not move an inch without the team, and, and especially Katrina. Uh, she just works tirelessly. She is super. And thank you to Katrina. Uh, she's listening in right now. Okay, uh, hi, thank Katrina. Because she's just brilliant. And, and there's, then there's the other team, that, you know what I mean, that everybody that, that fits in in, the, in their role, and, and that's what it's taken. Everybody does their role. A super-duper team around me. And... Uh, you know, even even to uh, 
get down here. I, I, you know, you guys are part of the team as well. Yeah, you're very kind. You know, you're, you're, you are very kind. And then looking back on the year, we, we every, every year when you come in, we we, we speak about your daughter Sandra because your, your daughter Sandra was born with um, cystic fibrosis. That's correct. And she's also profoundly deaf as That's well. Correct. Not in any way linked to the cystic fibrosis, obviously. But obviously, the cystic fibrosis much more serious issue with heart and lung uh, issues. How's she doing? She's doing really, really Is well. She? She's yeah. do, honestly, she's doing really, really well. And she's on the new uh, program. I forget the name of the crap. Trick after program or something. This is like the that. new the new drugs. The new drug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're actually talking about uh, not starting that uh, children or that on on in Northern Ireland and the UK. Uh, Sandra's doing really really well. She's just like that's all I can say. No news is good news. Other yeah, than just, yeah. just but doing the drugs really well. are working. Drugs and are working. There's been such a breakthrough with CF, isn't there? There has been such a breakthrough over the past, I'd say, five years. You know, Sandra yeah. went on this new drug, and it, her lung function went from uh, 21 to 31 in the space of about wow. three months. You know, wow. that's just like brilliant. You yeah, know? it's great. It is great. It's always a worry to have a, a child, no matter what age. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and Absolutely. I and, and I'm going to do one more, one more, um, one that really resonated with me, and I think. Because uh, it's, it's an un, usually these ones that resonate are unknown authors, and this is about back home. Uh, and I think a lot of people will identify with this. Um, if I had the power to turn back the clock, go back to that house at the end of the block, the house that was home when I was a kid, I know that I'd love it more than I did. If I could be back there at my mother's knee and hear once again all the things she told me, I'd listen as I'd never listened before. For she, know, for she knew so well just what life had in store. And all the advice my dad used to give, his voice I remember as long as I live. But it didn't seem really important then what I'd give just to live it all over again. And what I'd give for the chance I once had to do so much more for my mum and dad. To give them more joy and a little less pain, a little more sunshine and a little less rain. But the years roll on and we cannot go back whether we were born in a mansion or in a shack. But we can start right now in the hour that's here to do something more for the ones we hold dear. And since time is in flight, is travelling so fast, let's not spend it regretting that which is past. Let's make tomorrow a happier day by doing our good to others today. I love that it's called Back Home it's beautiful absolutely beautiful and can I suggest to people something that I always do at the end of the year Uh, I'll be looking back through my diary from last year I've cut out some of the ones like that that's the one definitely I will cut out next year and I laminate them and I have them on my fridge (laughs) I do the weirdest of things and I laminate some of the smaller ones and you can stick them into cards and give them as presents as well lots of things you can do with your your diaries John Paul uh, here at the station has got a list of the shops that we actually and they're all over Yall, Bandon, Roscarby, McCroom, Charleville, Bantry, Kenmare, Killarney, Clonakilty. They're literally everywhere, wherever you are Absolutely. in Corsica, your county. You could phone in and, and we're going to have a raffle. As we, we do, yeah, as we always do, as we always do. And I can't let you go without mentioning, firstly, one sad event, you, you lost your brother this year? I lost my brother ah, this year. Sorry to yeah. hear about that. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Unfortunate. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. You know, and, I know. You know, it, that's was, life. it was never supposed to happen, you yeah. know, but that's the way, that's yeah. the way it goes. And that's like what that poem is, if only we can go back, we can't. But on a happier note... You you got married recently, only last month, to, to the lovely Alice, who's outside with you. She's That's joining correct. the stu- studio. We, did, we were told you. Did you manage to squeeze in a honeymoon? 
We did. We did. Said, we'll say a mini moon. A mini moon, okay. All right. <laughs> so and you didn't have her selling Get Up and Go Diaries on the mini moon, no? No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well done, well done. So, as I say, just uh, no. Th- thanks again for having us, uh, Patricia, down at the station. And anybody that wants to catch and get in contact with us as well, they can go to www.getupandgodiary.com. Well, listen, they are truly inspirational. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Brendan. And the year will fly by, and you'll be back with us next year, I know. <laughs> but listen, thanks a million for joining us today. Thank you so Good much. Good morning to Thank you. you. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. But from one good news story to another one, because RTE are currently broadcasting a programme called Ring and a Prayer. And the series explores what happens when cu- couples from different cultures and faiths fall in love and decide to get married. Next Friday's episode very much has a Cork flavour because it will feature two couples who married and are living here in Cork. One of those couples, Jennifer and Owen, uh, both join me ahead of next Friday's edition. Good morning to you both. Morning. Hello, how are you? You're very welcome. Jennifer, let me start with with you. You're originally from Nigeria, so I suppose fill us in. How long have you lived in Cork? What brought you to Cork? And then how did you meet our lovely Owen? Oh, that's a long one in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I actually came to Cork 2017. I came here to um, study in University College Cork. I did a master's in public health. And um, I actually met Owen, I think, after staying in this country for three, two years, two years and a half. Then I met Owen. We met on a site, a dating app. Then we took it from there. And do you remember the the first date and do you remember first meeting Owen? Oh, yeah. I met Owen, um, I think in Louisville in the city. Is it Luigi's? Sorry, Luigi's. Luigi Malone's, yeah. Exactly. yeah. So he actually, you know, told me if we could go on a, on a date, which I agreed to meet him. So getting there, he was really very kind of... Um, Owen is a funny person. He has a good sense of humor, and uh, and he also has this beautiful physique. Like, like I like guys with broad shoulders and taller than me. <laughs> this guy's not looking bad at all. So that was how we started. So he ticked all the boxes uh, <laughs> f- uh, for you. And um, Owen, how long were you going out before? I'm assuming was it you popped the question, or was it Jennifer popped the question? No. No, no, it was me. Uh, the things that we went to um, Lagos in Nigeria. So I popped the question over there. I'd say, was it a year or two, Jen? I think it was a, it was a year or two. A year or two together and you just knew you'd met your, your soulmate. And Owen, when you decided to get married, was it very important to you both that tradition would play a part in both services? Yeah, 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 it was because um, they have their own uh, Nigerian wedding, their traditional wedding, they call it, you know. So I thought it would be nice to have a traditional wedding in Nigeria. And then we had uh, another wedding here, which had a bit of a Nigerian twist to it in the Middleton Park Hotel. Yeah, most people are lucky enough to get married once, Jennifer, but you got married um, uh, uh, twice. Jennifer, tell me firstly about the wedding in Nigeria. Um, I've seen the show. It looked like a huge affair. Oh, yeah, the wedding in Nigeria is kind of like our tradition. So that's the most important wedding to us 
before, you know, the British people came over. So the traditional wedding is, uh, you know, the parents are going to give their daughter out in marriage and, you know, blessing the marriage, which is always done traditionally with the prayers. Families have to come together, eat food. Then after that, you could go to maybe the reception where you, you know, dance, you eat with other friends and um, where we shall join in along. So that's it. Yeah, and it was it was it's lovely to watch and and very colourful as well. So then you come back home to Cork and you have to have the the Irish inverted commas uh, wedding. But oh, and the Irish wedding very much has a Nigerian flavour to it, particularly when it comes to dancing. That's right. That's right. They're all about dancing. Like even in Nigeria, there you you kind of dance your way into the wedding, and there was different. Um, Different clothing you put on during the day, so we changed about three times. But uh, with the, the wedding too here in Cork, she had a bit of a Nigerian twist to do as well, that the groomsmen danced their way to the wedding, as you know, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and and are you a good dancer, Owen? Is that, would oh, you describe yeah, yeah, yeah. yourself as a good dancer? Well, I would, yeah, but the, the, she taught me a dance out there. Wasn't that right, Denise, the booger? Yeah, I thought, Owen, the, the, that was the um, song trending there. It's like, let me see you go, lo, 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 go, girl. So I thought so in the dance. I know we actually did very well. Most of the bloggers, newspapers yeah. actually carried it, like they published it on their website. And like they were so amazed to see um, a white man actually doing the boga dance properly. He's a, he's a, I've, I've seen it. He's a good little mover, Jen. Jen, he's definitely a good mover. I can see his dancing skills were another reason why you fell so in love with him. That's part of it too. I agree. And are you enjoying watching the other the the other program so far? Have you been following it? Yeah, yeah, it is different. It's different. I've seen one or two couples there. You know, it's different. Seeing the different reactions with different cultures. Like I travelled to about fifteen to twenty countries, so it is good to learn from different cultures too. You know, what has taken you to twenty different countries? I know. I just travelled around. You know, and there was. I was overseas too with the army before, so okay. it's, it's good to see. It is great to see, yeah. It is it's fantastic to see. And what is the plan for watching next Friday's episode? Will you do it on your own? Or are you going to family and friends join you? Well, we do, we're wondering. No, we might, we might have some friends joining us, but uh, we'll be definitely tuning in there at um, 8 o'clock. Yeah, it's 8 o'clock on uh, Friday night. I, Je- Jennifer, are you nervous about watching it or are you looking forward to it? I'm kind of uh, super excited. Like, I want to see myself. Like, you know, it's so, it's kind of like overwhelming or will I say surprising? Yeah. yeah. To see you, uh, you know, watching yourself and um, watching all the, all the clips so far. Well, you look beautiful. I've seen it. You, you, and uh, Owen, you look handsome in it. So enjoy oh, watching yeah. it. <laughs> enjoy fun. watching it on Friday night. And, and life is going well for you both, Owen? Yeah, thank God. Thank God everything's well. Okay. You well, know. long may that continue. Yeah. Listen, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you both. Ring in a prayer. It is on RTE One on Friday night at eight o'clock, and uh, people are looking forward to seeing it. And thank you both for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank, thank you very much. Good Thanks morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Jennifer and Owen, one of the core couples that will feature in this Friday's episode. Mary's been on to say, Patricia, uh, do you know the names of any of the shops that will be selling the Get Up and Go Diaries in this Skibbereen Bantry area? Uh, they make lovely Christmas presents, and they do make lovely and affordable 
Christmas presents for sure, Mary. I've just checked the list that uh, Brendan from the Get Up and Go Diaries gave me and I can see in Bantry, for example, the bookshop on William Street in Bantry. Bantry Bookshop has them and Carlo Donovan is selling them in Skibbereen and if you're down at the Mizzen Head Visitor Centre in Goleen, they are also stocking them. They are literally all over the city and uh, county. If you want to buy yourself a get up and go diary, I just love the inspirational nature of them uh, all and I look forward every year uh, to receiving mine. And don't forget, we are encouraging people to send in calendars, please. If you are selling calendars, where the proceeds are going to charity are there for the local community voluntary organisation please get them in because calendars are something a little bit like Christmas cards we have to buy them every uh, year and I always like the idea when you're buying your calendar calendars can also make nice uh, Christmas presents as well to please buy a calendar that you know at the same time charities are going to benefit and thanks to uh, Richard Dempsey in Mallow he has popped uh, into the studio with the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind calendar and they are always one of the most gorgeous calendars every single year and yet again truly beautiful gorgeous photographs of different puppies in uh, training I, don't, I think they're all there's a litter of puppies for example on one of uh, the months and then there's some of the older the, the guide dogs that are out working assistance dogs they absolutely beautiful and actually there's a coffee morning in Mallow on Saturday the 25th that's this coming Saturday in the Hibernian Hotel it's on from 10am uh, onwards and it is a coffee morning in aid of the guide dogs for the blind and they will be selling their Christmas cards, but they'll also be selling their calendars, their 2024 calendars. And they're on sale for €10 Euro if you're going along to the coffee morning next uh, Saturday. Or you can get them directly in Mallow from Richard Dempsey, 87 And I know generally speaking, that's what happens with the guide dog uh, calendars. Normally there are local people in the area will sell them, but they also have a really good website that you can get on to if you'd like to get a guide dog calendars and their website is guidedogs.ie so good luck to everybody in the guide dogs and thank you to Eileen who has sent me on that again this is an annual calendar that arrives it's the Bantry and Beira 2024 calendar on the Wild Atlantic uh, Way and it is Eileen O'Shea herself on behalf of the Bantry Development and Tourism Association which is a voluntary organisation that promotes and supports the development of tourism in Bantry and in uh, West Cork and every year Eileen has a very keen eye for photography so she kind of stores up the photographs throughout the year and then has the difficult decision of deciding which photographs she's going to put in. There's a gorgeous picture on Fair, the harbour on Fair Day in Bantry, Wolftone Square uh, on a gorgeous bright summer's day. God, we didn't get many of those uh, this year, did we? Ellen's Rock is out on the Bear Peninsula. That's a stunning uh, photograph um, as is late evening out on Bantry Bay. It's beautiful. I, what I love about this particular one for uh, Bantry and Beira. Beautiful calendar for you to maybe send to a loved one overseas. Maybe somebody originally from Bantry Beira area would love to receive this in the post. It really is gorgeous and as I say all of the photographs are Eileen O'Shea's own so well done to uh, Eileen and they are available at the Bandon, at the Bantry Tourist uh, Office Fastnet or you can get them online at www.bantry.ie Unfortunately, there isn't a price on it. They're normally around the 10 euro mark, but there isn't a price on it. But you can pop into the Bantry Tourism a tourist office or you can check them out online bantry.ie with a gentle reminder to anyone else who's got calendars. As long as they're for charity, 
our local voluntary group, please let us know so that we can share the news of your gorgeous calendars uh, with listeners and hopefully might just bump up your sales a little bit. 0818103103. Questions for Annalise, if you can keep those coming in to us, uh, please. Our nutritional therapist will be joining us in a couple of minutes. In the meantime, let me catch up some of your calls in. Now, there has been some reaction to the listener who contacted us who's very, very annoyed to hear the news that Ukrainian refugees that are in this country have now been those that are living in state accommodation. They've been granted leave. A special protocol has been set up that they can be absent from their accommodation without notifying the Ukraine crisis temporary accommodation team in advance and they're able to go home for Christmas. And that's just annoyed some people and uh, including our listener who just feels work work hard all the time and uh, get nothing from the state and yet we've got people who are coming here and you know genuinely fleeing war and let's be honest the majority are genuinely fleeing war their homes have been destroyed and for the majority of Ukrainians they won't go home at Christmas because they fled for their lives I don't know what the numbers on people who will travel and I don't know if we will ever find out uh, the numbers but Nancy in Bantry listened to the listener's point and says 100% agree uh, with that, that person if they are that badly off and yet they can afford to go back at the end of the day they fled a country that was at war why are they going back for Christmas if they can go back for a holiday surely they can go back and relocate to their home country I'm not being racist says Nancy Nancy and Bantry but I'm just starting to get fed up with the whole thing Tom is in Glanmire and he says in order to cover the costs of this Christmas in order to buy presents and you know keep the home fires burning Tom at the moment is working two jobs I'd love to be able to go away for Christmas but I simply won't be able to afford it. We have people coming here to this country. I'm not against people coming here to this country to work but it's frustrating to watch people who are receiving state benefits and who do not work and they are able to travel overseas. Many of us are working two jobs just to sustain a a living. And Sheila says, Patricia, am I being racist or naive on the subject of refugees going home for Christmas? Surely the very reason they are here is because their own country isn't safe. We've given them homes at the cost of Irish families and now they will just flit back and forth because it's Christmas. If it was too dangerous to stay in the first place, then it must be too dangerous to return. Uh, Sheila thinks it's it's a farce. It was the same at the height of COVID, letting people to travel to Cheltenham to cheer them up. I think if they chose to go back, then they shouldn't come back and Irish people should be given their accommodation, says uh, Sheila. Uh, and that's just kind of the general um, reaction that we are getting from people, including somebody else who says, Patricia, I'm working with three Ukrainians. They're working with us here in Cork. One male, he's not married. He's gone home three times in the last nine uh, months. He is, by the way, in government accommodation because I thought maybe, you know, the Ukrainians, there, are, there were Ukrainians before the war, war broke out who are living and working in this country and of course they are entitled to leave whenever they want and actually the government are pointing out as well anyone who is in their own accommodation or has accommodation by family you know the way families put up uh, have put up Ukrainians uh, it's the only ones that are restrictions on travel is ones that are in state funded uh, accommodation but anybody who's here and is working and is paying for their own accommodation obviously they can come and go uh, as they please but it's just some people are just a bit annoyed uh, about it all 0818103103 our lines are open John Paul's taking your calls we are in particular looking for 
for your questions for Annalise, please. You can get those in 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Now, a group of people are planning to travel from Dublin at the end of April next year and taking on the final section of the Portuguese coastal Camino. They'll walk 110 kilometres in total over the week, but it's a fundraiser with all monies raised to ensure Annam Cara can continue their support services for bereaved people. If you'd like more information, you can email jamie at j. Uh, Conway at annamcarra.ie or you can call him at 01 Cork GAA and North Cork Dementia Alliance are holding an afternoon of memories with guest speaker Sean O'Halpin. It is on this afternoon between half two and half four in the Mallow GAA complex. Now there will be archival footage and memorabilia available and refreshments will be served. And the Donnerail Active Retirement Group, they're also meeting today in the Donnerail Presentation Pastoral Centre with chair yoga at two followed by Crafts with Una, who will be creating a Christmas centrepiece. To book a room in Donnerail Presentation Pastoral Centre for events, you can contact 87 And the Mallow Fire and Garden Club will hold their Christmas gala demonstration tomorrow at Mallow GAA Complex in Carragoon. Demonstrations by Georgie McCarthy and Siobhan McInerney from EFA starts at 8, admission €15, Euro, and the proceeds from the evening are going to support the Mallow Alzheimer's Day Centre. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. When I was chatting with Brendan Sands from the Get Up and Go uh, diary, I read out a poem uh, because I'd been flicking through all of the, the diaries over the weekend and just, you know, and they're gorgeous. They're just all these beautiful inspirational poems and bits and bobs. Some of them are very short, but some of them are, are, are longer pieces and one of the poems that caught my eye uh, was a it's kind of a reflection on if uh, and we all do it at some stage and I think as we get older we reflect on it even more where we reflect on our childhoods and I think coming up to Christmas Christmas to me is always the time when when I think back in my childhood Uh, and the poem is a poem called Back Home and it's all about if you could turn the clock back and if you could just go back to your family home you know one more time if you could sit and listen to your mother and, and be with your father and listen to the advice and just be in that moment how precious uh, it would be. Anyway, that led to a number of people contacting us including Roshan who was on to say her grandmother was listening to me this morning and she said I played a song or a poem uh, called Go Back and uh, what's the author please? No, it's called Back Home and the unfortunate thing of all of the writings in these Get Up and Go uh, diaries, the author, unfortunately, is unknown. So I can't even point you in the direction of where you could go to get a copy of the poem. The only thing I can tell you is it is in the Get Up and Go diary for the inspirational Get Up and Go diary for 2024. And it's one of the first poems I came across. It's actually in January. It's um, if you go to the 17th of January, it's on the that that page but it's called Back Home and it's just I'll, I'll just read a tiny bit of it again in case you think what's she on about if I had the power to turn back the clock go back to that house at the end of the block the house that was home when I was a kid I know that I'd love it more now than I did if I could go back there at my mother's knee and hear once again all the things she told me I'd listen as I'd never listened before for she knew so well just what life had in store 
and all the advice my dad used to give. His voice I remember as long as I live. But it didn't seem really important then what I'd give just to live it all over again. And what I'd give for the chance I once had to do so much more for my mum and dad. To give them more joy and a little less pain, a little more sunshine and a little less rain. But the years roll on and we cannot go back, whether we were born in a mansion or in a shack. But we can start right now in the hour that's here to do something more for the ones we hold dear. And since time in its flight is travelling so fast, let's not spend it regretting that which is past. But let's make tomorrow a happier day by doing our good to others today. Isn't I love it? It's called Back Home. As I say, author unknown, unfortunately, and it's in the 2024 Get Up and Go uh, diary. 0818103103. And by the way, uh, John Paul has three diaries to give away today. Now, we have more of these diaries and journals and diaries for young people, and we'll be giving them away at various times between now and uh, Christmas. So, but what we're going to do now is the first three callers to get through to John Paul. We'll do it by phone today. I promise we'll do more by text, but I want to keep the text message free for questions for Annalise. So the first three callers to get through to John Paul now on 0818 103 103 and you'll win one of either the Get Up and Go Diary or the Gratitude Journal or Diary for a Young Person, whichever John Paul has in his hands when you get in. But we're doing it by phone only, please. 0818 103 103. And then we'll leave the text message free. If you have a text message for Annalise, uh, please, or a nutritional question, something wrong with somebody in your household or yourself, and you'd like some advice from a wonderful, from the wonderful Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, you can get texting on that 0862 103 103. Hold off on the phone lines because they're busy for John Paul at the moment giving uh, the diaries away. Was thrilled to hear Heard it on the news with Barry and I see it reporting in a lot of the papers. It was back early in the summer. We spoke with some of the Killarney C- Cafe owners and at, they, at that stage they were beginning to become the first c- town in Ireland to ban the use of single-use coffee cups. And I remember at the time wishing them well. I thought it was a fantastic initiative, but I was wondering how long it was going to uh, bed in. And it's hoped that the uh, initiative would remove more than one million single-use coffee cups from going to local waste disposal systems in uh, Kerry. Well, they're four months into it and the move to become a disposable cup-free town has sparked a revolution, it seems. And the local community have embraced the initiative to exclusively use recyclable cups. Isn't it fantastic? And I'm really surprised that in just four months it has taken off so well. It is called the Killarney Coffee Cup project. Now it started off initially as an agreement between local uh, coffee shops, cafes and uh, hotels but then it grew out of that and it's expected now that it will contribute significantly to reducing 18.5 tonnes of rubbish from the local municipal waste network. Since July of this year, Killarney's coffee shops and hotels have completely said goodbye to single-use disposable coffee cups. All participating coffee shops agreed to this collective deposit scheme and they partnered up with a company called Two Go Cups and they use, obviously, 
you know, keep uh, cups. So now when people want to take away coffee, either from a cafe or, or a hotel or a business in Killarney, they either bring their own keep cup with them and then if you turn up and you don't have your key cup, well, what happens then is you pay a two euro deposit for the reusable cup. Now, you can either decide to take that cup home with you and keep reusing it or you can hand the cup back in. It can be returned to any coffee shop, any local business that signed up for the initiative and you can get your two euro back. And the reason that they put that clause into it was obviously Killarney would have a big footfall when it comes to tourists and not every tourist travelling from overseas might have their keep cup with them in their suitcase even though I do know I have um, a relation of mine who's married to a wonderful Australian man and uh, he always brings his own keep cups uh, with him whenever he comes because he's anyone who knows anyone from Melbourne will know they're big coffee drinkers and they're big about going to the local coffee shop for their lattes uh, etc. So he travels the world with his own keep cup but I'm sure a lot of other tourists don't do that so they decided that they might have a bit of a problem in Killarney with them if they didn't have the throwaway cup. So they came up with this idea of the deposit scheme. So the idea is a tourist can land in Killarney. Okay, they're going to be faced with, you have to pay a two euro deposit. You can hang on to that cup for the duration of your stay or you can simply have your cup of coffee and hand it back into any business and you get your two euro back. So it's worked uh, really, really well. I saw one Delhi uh, owner uh, say uh, before it was put in place, um, he noticed that you would always see evidence of the single use cups, either the cup itself might be on the footpath or left on a bench or there would be lids dumped in places. And they say in the four months they have effectively eradicated that. It's gone. You won't see disposable coffee cups or their lids anywhere around Killarney. And a local councillor, Martin Grady, said that more than 90% of businesses are participating in the project and the result is really, really evident already in the public bins because in June, shortly before the project started, there was a clean-up done of the wonderful Killarney National Park and when they did this clean-up, a little bit of a blitz, obviously before they went into the summer season, six thousand paper cups were picked up in the cleanup in Killarney National Park. So when they go back next year to do their cleanup, they hopefully will find no paper cups and they're certainly not going to find uh, 6,000 of them. And Richard Ivan is the owner of the Curious Cat Cafe. He says the positive impact of the project is also making people think of doing more for their own community. He said it's a good starting point for people who maybe weren't really thinking, is there anything I can do to save the planet? Because we all can to get a bit overwhelmed and we all kind of think sure we're here in Ireland we're a tiny little dot you know when you look at the bigger countries with the bigger population bases and how you know it's too overwhelming for us to even think about climate change but it's not all of these small steps are a step in the right direction and out of the simple one of that I I, I think that gentleman Richard Ivan is right it might then make families look at, at home at themselves and see how can they cut back on say food waste how can they cut back on plastic packaging and, you know, make sure that they're doing the recycling uh, properly. And of course, the hope now is from the good people of uh, Killarney that they hope now that they are setting an example for other towns around Ireland, but also they're hoping that maybe across Europe as well, that others will pick up on us. So well done to everybody in Killarney. And if you were in Killarney over the summer, you perhaps uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. Did you buy one of the to-go cups or did you bring your own keep cup? 0818 103 103. 
you can stop calling us please we want to clear the phone lines now because we have our winners for some of the Get Up and Go uh, products and our three winners today Margaret Foley Rising Sun in Ballinhasse congratulations Margaret Richard Hurley is in Church Cross in Skibbereen another winner and our final winner is Eileen Muldoon of Kerry Road in Tower. Congratulations, Margaret, Richard and Eileen. You've all won one of the Get Up and Go um publications for this year and we do have more of them to give away and I promise we will give more away between now and uh, Christmas. And just on the Killarney's ban on the single-use coffee cups and uh, it's been hailed a huge success four months in. Lisa says, Patricia, I was, I was in Killarney and I got one of those cups. I even bought two spare ones. I use them constantly. I'm from Limerick. I think they're a terrific idea. I'd love to see it being uh, rolled out more and uh, so say all of us. Thank you for that. Okay, Annalise Drussell of the Help Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joins me and I'm just unsure what line is it? One? I'm on I'm on one. Yeah, I'm on one. Sorry, I had the wrong. I didn't know which button I was to press because the lines have been quite busy. Good morning, Annalise. Good morning. And, and you are very welcome. Okay, let me go straight into uh, questions that have been coming in for you. This is from Anne. Could you please ask Annalise? I uh, bought psyllium husk recently for constipation. It is vile to take. Can anything be added to it? Talk to me about psyllium husk and how yeah. vile is it? it? Well, it's very gloopy. So oh. it is pretty disgusting. It's more the texture than the taste is bad. But the best way I find to do it is I add it into a smoothie or I add it into porridge. And actually in porridge you don't notice it at all. And in fact, even a better way of doing it is if you do have porridge in the morning is to soak it overnight because the psyllium husk will draw a lot of water in. And that's why it works so well in the gut. It does two jobs. One, it is that kind of gel-like soluble fibre so it can help bring form to a loose stool, but it can help soften a hard stool as well. So it can help with both diarrhea and constipation. And it's great if you've got diverticulitis to make sure that things are not getting stuck in the little pouches. The other thing it's great for as well is that it is a fibre that feeds the beneficial bacteria in our gut. So if you're taking psyllium every day, you're putting the food in that these bacteria need to thrive and survive. So that's another great thing to, um, about psyllium husk. But I agree, it's just the texture is absolutely horrible and if you wanted to take it in capsules you'd probably need to take about seven or eight capsules to kind of get a teaspoon's worth so that's even worse so put it into your smoothie Uh, you could add it to orange juice you could add it into a yogurt or the best way to do it really is to put it into your porridge or breakfast cereal in the morning Okay, good luck with that somebody else has this ongoing uh, issue of uh, cold sores reoccurring cold sores on my lips I keep getting them any advice please yeah, so cold sores are uh, caused by the herpes simplex virus. Um, generally, we pick up that virus mostly when we're small. It's somebody else passes it on probably by giving you a kiss. And that virus remains with us all of the time, but a lot, most of the time it is, it's dormant. And then it can actually reactivate at particular times if you're run down, if your immune system is busy fighting something else and it takes the eye off the ball of keeping that um, virus suppressed. So like if you're kind of sickening or if you're fighting a cough or cold. And another big trigger as well is the sunshine. So typically the best thing to do in this case, I would suggest, is to support both the immune system and to support for the cold sore. So I would definitely be taking something like a vitamin C, zinc and vitamin D tablet just to put the basics in for immune system. And they're all really, really good as well for skin health. And then if you're getting recurrent cold sores, the best way is prevent prevention by taking something called L-lysine. 
L and then a hyphen, L-Y-S-I-N-E. And you need about a thousand milligrams a day. Uh, I love the McCaunter brand because it's capsules and it's just very pure. And if you take one capsule a day of that, it should help keep that virus suppressed so that it doesn't come out in a cold sore. And then if you do feel a cold sore coming on, typically people would go, Patricia, for Zavirax, which is an antiviral. But actually, I find that unless you catch that really early with Zavirax, it doesn't work. So what I use is something called a biopropolis cream. Uh, You can buy it in any health shop. And it definitely, without a doubt, prevents it from getting too big, takes the soreness out of it quicker. And I tend to heal much better without a scar when I use that. And, and you have it for life once you can't get rid Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Yeah. The virus, like viruses do stay in your body all of the time, but your immune system generally keeps them under yeah. control. Yeah. So that's what it is with the, the cold sore virus. And they, they can be nasty, nasty things. Some people seem to really suffer from them. Pat in Bantry says, could you ask Annalise, what could she recommend for hip pain? We've tried a product called snake oil. It worked for a while, but I'm now wondering, was it a placebo, was it a placebo effect? Snake oil would typically be the, the, the term used for anything that is just totally and utterly uh, chance in their arm, placebo effect. Um, that's what they would have said about the old medicine men on the trails, is that they were just selling snake oil. But I don't know what was in that particular product. Some things, when you apply them topically, can give you great relief. Um, Wintergreen is one of them. Um, sometimes um, we have one here called Pernatron. There's cayenne pepper in it. So that get, can really help as well in terms of putting it on topically. Uh, some people get a great benefit from the atrogel, which is arnica in there. But look, I think it's probably arthritis on the inside, Patricia. So I think really rubbing stuff in is only going to give you some momentary relief. It's really not doing much to support the problem. So I certainly would recommend taking something um, to try and help um, dampen down the inflammation internally and then also to rebuild the joint. So what we get the best feedback on, there's two products we get fantastic feedback here in the shop on. One of them is GAL UC2 cartilage. And in actual fact, a lot more consultants now are recommending people take the UC2 cartilage. There's type 1, 2 and 3 collagen. The 2 is the one particularly good for joints. So um, that's that one. And the other one that we get very good feedback on is by an Irish company called One Nutrition and it's called Joint Support. So I would definitely recommend taking those and give it a bit of time because it doesn't work overnight. You need to wait at least probably six to eight weeks before you notice the difference. And I do get great relief with that Pernaton gel because of the heating benefit of it. Uh, it does seem to kind of get right into the sore spot. So you could maybe try that as a topical uh, uh, solution for the Yeah, because somebody else is asking, uh, could you mention again an injection that you spoke about for sciatica problems? You mentioned it last week. Yeah, so... Um, it's an injection into a particular muscle in the buttocks called the periformis muscle. Um, I don't think you can get it done with your GP. I think you need to get it done privately. I think, I don't, I've never had it done, Patricia, but I know that, I know people who've had it done and it seems to be really, really successful for, for sciatica. So you probably should go to your GP as a first stop and say, I'd like to try getting an injection into my periformis muscle, P-E-R-I-F-O-R-M-I-S. And it just seems to paralyze that muscle and it just stops that nerve pain from traveling down the leg. Okay. okay. And some, just on cold sores, somebody says, I, I put neat whiskey on my lip whenever I feel a cold sore coming on. It's probably an old wives' tale. I wonder, does it work? It's the alcohol, well, obviously. It, it might be. The alcohol certainly would dry it out. Um, I think really, like, I mean, a lot of people would say that if you feel a sniffle coming on, have a hot toddy and go, yeah. and that works too. So maybe there is something about alcohol 
that does help boost the immune system. But I think I would definitely prefer the biopropolis yes. than the whiskey. I'd say it would sting, especially if it's already coming out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, a couple of people are on about uh, cholesterol. Somebody says, please, uh, could you ask Annalise what's good to lower cholesterol? Uh, what about porridge? And Tom was on. His cholesterol was at eight. He has it down to six, but he wants it to drop further. So talk to us about cholesterol. Okay, well, the best diet to follow for heart health is the Mediterranean diet. And there's countless, countless clinical studies that will show that evidence. And the reason that it's so healthy, Patricia, is that it's very high in fibre, um, vegetables and hence nutrients. And it's quite low in saturated fat. They do have meat and cheese, but in small amounts. And they've lots of kind of pulses and fish. And really in Ireland, we can eat the Mediterranean diet now because we get everything in the supermarket all year round. So... Um, if you go on to Google, you will definitely find lots of information and recipes for the Mediterranean diet. And then particularly foods that would be very good. Porridge actually is one of them because porridge is very high in soluble fiber. You can also use oat bran to increase that soluble fiber. And that helps to bind cholesterol and make it unavailable and get it out of the body. Um, also, things like lecithin is very good. You will buy that in any health shop. And that helps your body to produce bile. And bile is another sort of exit method for cholesterol from the body. Um, Omega-3 fats are really, really good to bring your good cholesterol up. So the bad cholesterol is actually a protein that brings cholesterol around and deposits it in the body in veins and arteries. But the good cholesterol is a protein that kind of gathers it all up and gets rid of it. So if your good cholesterol is high, um, you can be very, very healthy, even if your overall cholesterol is a little bit too high. So the foods that you'd get those in would be things like um, pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, linseeds and walnuts for the vegetarian. And then oily fish like um, mackerel and herring, sardines, tuna fish, probably not the tins, you probably need the fresh one, sea trout and trout, um, herring and sardines. They'd all be very good for omega-3s. And supplement-wise, the one that works the best is something called red rice yeast. It does exactly the same thing as the statin drug does and McCon to do a very good version. We have a lovely one here called Normacol that has other things in there for heart health as well. But it's the, the fundamental component is that red rice yeast and it works brilliantly. Hi, wondering if Annalise would have any cures or suggestions for chillblains from Raynards. Oh, very painful, yes. Yeah. So, um, chillblains can be a difficult one, Patricia, because they're triggered by so many things. Um, and some people get very, very severe chill lanes where they would crack. I think one of the things I've found um, in terms of advice is to try and avoid sugar in the diet because I definitely think that seems to fuel the inflammation that drives chill lanes. You can take stuff for circulation for the Raynaud's. So with Raynaud's, what's happening is an autoimmune disease and it means that the little tiny capillaries in the tips of fingers and toes shut down when exposed to cold. So they go white and they go numb and they get very, very cold. So to boost circulation, you're looking at things like hawthorn, garlic, horseradish, cayenne. All of those kind of warming herbs will help improve circulation. Um, the omega-3 fats in a fish oil, they can definitely help as well in that they can keep the blood flowing beautifully and thinly. So it can it's its best chance of getting out. Um, to the fingertips. Vitamin C is another lovely one as well, always to add for veins and arteries and um, and for skin as well. So you could try a combination of those. The Dr. Delish Clare healing cream can be very relieving to put directly onto the chillblains. Um, and you might also want to try possibly a calendula tincture. Sometimes that can work very well for some people, but it's a bit hit and miss. 
Okay, Maureen is looking for advice for a nine-month-old baby, runny nose and a cough. What would you recommend? So it's very difficult to get your hands on a natural cough bottle for babies, but Dr. Claire does one. It's called Kinderkind and it is fantastic. We sell buckets of it every year and it's safe for a small baby. Um, and you could probably get that if you can't get it locally. You could get it maybe from Dr. Claire. She has an online shop as well. Um, so that's probably the best one that I would recommend. The other thing as well is you can get kind of Snuffle Babe, which is a natural type of uh, a Vaseline with some very gentle lavender and peppermint oil in there. And that can be rubbed into the chest and can give some relief as well. And for some reason, Patricia, I don't know how this works, but it does for babies and adults. If you put a big um, kind of a smear of Vaseline across the bridge of the nose yeah. and help keep the airways open. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing that for years and it, and it does. I don't know why, but it does work. Uh, John says, hi, I work 12-hour shifts alternating between days and nights every alternate week. Any solution for boosting energy levels and improving diet? God, that's tough, isn't it? Very tough, Patricia. And actually, shift work takes a very, very significant toll on our health because our body actually does an awful lot of stuff at night when it's asleep for that circadian rhythm so our body follows that kind of light dark cycle and there's lots of processes that need to happen in the night time for for repair and kind of your body does a big kind of patrol and clean up so it gets rid of cells that aren't working properly or possibly that have gone a little bit rogue that's when a lot of cancer cells cells that would be possibly turning cancerous they'd be identified and killed off by our immune system so the night time is really important for health, for immune system function and for disease prevention down the road. Now, when you are in shift work, there's nothing you can do about that. Sometimes you have to work nights. But what is important is to support your system through it. So I would definitely recommend something that helps with the circadian rhythm. If you can get it from your doctor, melatonin is fantastic. It's the hormone that helps us sort of calm down and go to sleep at night. And you can buy it anywhere in Spain and France and Germany, but you have to get it on prescription in Ireland. But that definitely can help you get back into your week of um, day cycle. And then in terms of energy on your shift, you could take something like ginseng to give you a little bit of a boost. Um, that can also help, again, support the adrenals, which are involved in that whole kind of circadian rhythm disruption. So another herb that's lovely as well is ashwagandha. So that is kind of really helping at a root level cope with the shift work. And then possibly the other thing you could do on the weeks that you're really struggling is take um, the Source of Life Gold, which has got so much in it in terms of supporting the body, but also has a little bit of ginseng. So that would be a good uh, a good start for just improving energy generally and immune system function as well. Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, listen, thank you for that. And we'll talk to you again Thanks, next uh, Monday. And uh, apologies if we didn't get to all of your uh, questions. As always, it is just so, so busy uh, with Annalise. But she'll put up all of the information because she imparts a lot of information to us on the slot. So she puts it up on her own website, which is healthhubstore.com, as heard on the radio. And she'll do that later on uh, this afternoon. And I know on our own, uh, as a separate podcast on c103.ie, I know John Paul uh, puts up Annalise's slot on its own as well. If you just want to sit uh, sit and maybe listen back to it, and maybe you didn't catch all of it uh, today. And that will also go up uh, later on uh, this afternoon. Now, before I go, have I about a minute, just a couple of uh, texts in. Somebody was get up and go diaries in Charleville, where are they on sale? The Oriel Bookshop in uh, Charleville is where you can purchase them. And I can see other people asking where are the Get Up and Go Diaries for sale. Um, I'd be here all day if I was to list out all of 
the different shops that are selling them across Cork City and County. But if you go to their website, which is getupandgodiary.com and if you go under Stockist, you'll see all of the ones for Cork. So you will find one that uh, certainly is close to you. And just by the way, on that poem that I read out about, um, was it Back Home? It was called, somebody Googled it. Let me... Let me reach back for the book and I, I'll get it. Somebody did, when I was reading it out, because it's author unknown, back home in Scott, somebody just did a quick Google search and the poem came up straight away for people who were looking for it. So if you want to get a copy of that, you can. Actually, I was going to bring in one. I might uh, think about doing it later on in the week. One that I kept from a previous Get Up and Go uh, diary that's all about reflecting on children growing up. That's lovely. I might try and, and I might pull it off the fridge and bring it in and bring it to you uh, as well because we got a massive reaction to that poem. Okay, that's where have to leave you for today. Uh, thanks to John Paul McNamara. Um, Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow. Ten. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie.